Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution. Today, delighted to be your podcast host and principal of Michael Jans Advisory. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution. They are the creators of Fuse, the insurance marketing software that is designed to boost your retention, designed to boost your policy per customer, increase loyalty, and overall make your clients love your agency. Without you having to hire more staff, programmers, or technologists, if you haven't done it lately, I suggest take my advice seriously. Visit agencyrevolution.com, request a demo. The new features are mind-blowing. That being said, to the extent that it is my job to invite you to the most important conversation in the insurance industry, I think this time you hit a home run. Not because of me, because of my guest. I want to thank my friend Matt Harris um, at Bain Capital for getting me connected with Darcy Darnell, one of the bright bulbs in the insurance industry. She is a partner and global head of customer sales and marketing practice at Bain and Company. Um, and she shares, what do 80,000 insurance consumers tell Bain about what's going on in the insurance world and what is the perspective and the unique insights that they've got? We cover a lot of ground. Um, I will in, I will encourage you, give this one one or two listens. How does climate change, disease, and how do technological disruptions combine to produce more risks and different types of risks? And what should the independent insurance agent know about that? Darcy covers that. How do modern insurance um, providers, are how are they currently going beyond just reimbursing for damages and how are they now changing their role, incentivizing behaviors in way that, ways that will reduce risks? And what's the unique role for today's agent? Well, Darcy covers that. And what is that direct line relationship between customer loyalty and customer lifetime value? Well, for those of us who are marketers, we take that question seriously. You want to hear what Darcy has to say about that as well. So um, without much further ado, I will remind you, if we've earned a five-star review, super grateful for me if you would give us one. Um, and one last uh, resource, um, beta testing now. How would you like to know if you run an insurance agency, how it stands in the competition and how would you like to know um, what would be the appropriate next steps for you to take based on where you are right now to achieve maximum growth by the end of this year. Visit my website. I have a, a five question survey that will provide you first answers and then resources. So you can find that on michaeljans.com. And now without further ado, it is a great privilege to invite you to enjoy this conversation with Darcy Darnell. Darcy Darnell, thanks so much for joining. How are you today? I'm well, Michael. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, as uh, you're probably aware, I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm probably going to come off as, as some sort of a fanboy um, <laughs> of your work and of Bain's work. Um, I know that I've mentioned to you previously that some of the work that you have published has had uh, deep and serious implications on my own work, working with, um, oh, principles of independent insurance agencies, and in some case, even, you know, drifting over to my work with InsurTechs. Um, so I, I have a feeling that I have probably cited one of Bain's reports on loyalty and property and casualty more than any other single human being. So um thank you for joining us also thanks for your generosity i know that like most of my listeners are not going to purchase bain services so it's a rare opportunity when i get get the opportunity to go right to the top on some of the best 
data and some of the best research in the industry. So boom, thank you. So that said, um, we do have a few things uh, that I really want to cover. Um, and I'll, so I'll sort of outline them now. One is uh, you have a new book. Um, you and Fred Reichelt, uh, new book. Uh, definitely want to cover some of the principles that are in that. Came out in December, so it's fresh and hot, still hot off the press, and it's getting uh, great customer reviews. Um, number two, you've published some content uh, recently on trends in the insurance industry. Very important for us to keep our finger on the pulse of. And then I, I really want to. Um, Oh, sort of uh, give you an opportunity to reflect on uh, any new insights that Bain has in regards to um, your work on loyalty in property and casualty. So, boom, you want to start with the book? Happy to start wherever you'd like, Michael. It's oh. a broad set of topics. We've got a lot to cover. Yeah, we have a lot to cover. So um, no wasted time. Yeah, just tell us a little bit about the book, which, by the way, yeah, you mentioned it to me last time I talked to you, which was before December, mm -hmm. and it wasn't available. So now it is. I haven't read it yet. So I'm asking as an innocent. Yeah. And, absolutely. And, yeah. Okay, go for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about it, of course. Um, and maybe some context for the book. So for your listeners, Bain & Company is a strategy consulting firm, but at the core of the core of what we do, it's helping our, our clients um, earn their growth, um, you know, earn growth through their customers, um, which is something that your listeners do every day. And we've written um, over the last 25 years, um, five different books on the topic of loyalty um, at a time 25 years ago when business business people weren't talking about it. They weren't talking about lifetime value of customers and doing right by customers in the way that we find commonplace today. And the latest book is really quite, um, quite spiritual. And what do I mean by that? It's in this age of turbulence and there's so much going on in the world. And, and you know, just when we thought we were over and past the pandemic, here comes geopolitical risk and all the things, um, is to go back to the core purpose of an organization, which is to serve customers. And how that touchstone can be so helpful in dealing with changes in an industry, um, whether it's trying to retain your employees or dealing, dealing with supply chain shocks and all the things are gonna be hitting the PNC industry um, now and, and in the coming years, inflation, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, the book really talks about um, the golden rule, serving others as you'd like to be served. And what does that mean for a company? And, and, and importantly, what role does the front line um, from agencies to claims adjusters to call center agents, what role do they play in delivering on a company's core purpose? Uh -huh. Okay, so um, a, a little bit of background for the listeners. Uh, Fred was the creator of the Net Promoter Score. Am I right about that? So that's really where that came from, which... Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, is a metric that's used throughout the insurance industry, and it has been by carriers for a long, long time. Uh, you may be less aware of the fact that it's used now at the agency level, uh, including, uh, it, I know that it's a, um, it's a prominent part of the feature of the marketing automation platform uh, that uh, Agency Revolution um, uses in its, you know, to help agencies strengthen their relationship with their customers. So is there, um, and, and I think our listeners are probably familiar with NPS. We've done solo podcasts just on NPS. So uh, are there new or um, uh, emerging insights uh, in your latest research on customer loyalty um, that, you know, maybe that, that Fred wasn't talking about back when he wrote the original book. Yeah, thank you for that. And, and it is, it did become a management phenomenon, right? And yes. you know that, that your, your listeners and, and the industry in general has embraced this notion, mainly the, the focus of it is learning from customer feedback, right? The metric is super helpful. Um, and it's a great way to quickly get a sense for how are you doing for your customers? But the most important thing is to is to listen and learn and then do and act differently. And some of the things that are, what we're seeing is, is more new to the world is number one, is how do you create more 
um, predictive power in it. And what I mean by that is, rather than waiting for all your customers to respond to a survey, once you have sense for patterns, how do you then mitigate or get ahead of and be proactive in those patterns? You know, for agents, whether or not it's uh, customers had a declined claim or a disruptive claim experience, how do you get ahead of that and, and not wait for the survey to tell you how the customer felt, but you actually pay attention to those patterns? Let's say you have a new... Um, a, a new person in your agency and you know they're going to be up the learning curve and so they're not going to deliver the kind of customer experience that your customers may have felt with your previous person in your office. Well, how do you think about that and get ahead of it and be proactive? And so this notion of net promoter score and net promoter system, again, is about learning from customers. One of the trends is getting more proactive about it. The other is um, really thinking about your promoters. So in the net promoter system, of course, promoters are those people who give you a nine or a 10. Those people who um, love being served by you so much, they're going to tell their friends and their family, hey, you should work with this, this agent. And um, what we've been talking about in the book is this notion of rallying your promoters. And so a lot of times people are taking that in as the metric but are they thinking about the catalyst of bringing those people who love them and love their business together to create a community? This notion of a rally, right? It's a bunch of people coming together to celebrate something, but also to make it better, to cheer it on. And so engaging the community of, of um, people around you, and for so many agents, it is gets down to their physical community, right? Which um, in the pandemic got actually contracted and smaller and, and more human and empathetic than it has ever been. How do you think about using your, your customers that love you, um, the broader sense of the ecosystem in which you deliver value to your customers as a way to bring people together in a community and help your business grow. Ah, so is, is the premise there that um, um, discovering your nines and tens in your book of business should be more than just feeling good about it, right? <laughs> it's it's got to be more than like a, 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 an endorphin bump. Yeah. There's got to be like, oh, it's a it, it you're saying, I think that it can be a strategic initiative that you well, can it's find for ways. Sure, it's a strategic asset, right? It's an asset right. of your business, those customers who love you. And so I'll give you um, I'll give you an example. First Republic Bank um, is a bank on the West Coast. It drives almost all of its business through referral. And I'm sure every single agent who's listening would say, yes, you <laughs> my best customers help me out by referring me to new business. Well, First Republic Bank starts a conversation with a customer by saying, we know this has gone well and this has gone right when you are ready to tell someone you love to do business with me. And so they establish this notion of the most important thing a customer can do to repay you, to give you back the love, uh -huh. is to help extend your business. And, and so getting the mindset of, of course, I want to measure the score. Of course, I want to see nines or tens. But how do I, in a really authentic way, help those people help their loved ones experience what they've experienced with me as an agent? Yeah, you just gave a tactical plum and what I thought was going to be a pure strategic conversation. <laughs> so so that, that's, the, that's part of the onboarding relationship is establishing that. We know it's going well when you perform this behavior. So that frames the relationship and encourages the behavior. Okay, so. Exactly. Um, uh, Darcy, I, I remember the, the day, the moment, the location, where I was, and this probably goes back uh, seven years, uh, when I read the, for the first time, the report on loyalty and property and casualty. And uh, when I was done with it, it was like my that was a eureka. It was like, oh, OK, as a marketer, there are some things I just know. One is customer lifetime value really, really matters. OK, I think I think entrepreneurs and small businesses kind of always knew that I, the, the big companies can lose sight of that. Um, so customer lifetime value. And then to discover that, at least in that report, at that point in time, that the nine or 10, the highly loyal insurance customer delivers three times the value of a neutral or a mid-loyalty insurance company or seven times the lifetime value of a low-loyalty customer, my sense was, boom, what else do I need to know? 
right? I mean, there are really two things that we have to take care of getting customers and keeping customers. So now if I could keep customers and earn maximum customer lifetime value, what else do I need to know? So my, my premise behind this in, in working with my clients, for example, has been number one, pick clients who are predisposed to, to loyalty. Okay. That's a conversation we may want to have. And, and then two, treat them in such a way that you earn like, as you said, earn the revenue, right? Earn the loyalty. So treat them and, and give, them, give them a thoughtful customer journey that encourages uh, uh, loyalty and is um, imbued with respect and integrity and so on and so forth. So um, that has been a, a core uh, principle in my communications with, the, with this channel. So you, you, you never, Bain never has taken its eye off the ball of loyalty. <laughs> Since then, it, it, um, you know, I mean, the industry's changed, you know, and, and um, it continues to change. Have you seen any significant changes in either the metrics or the approach or the strategies regarding loyalty and earning loyalty in this channel? So yes and no is what okay. I, I say to that, Michael. First of all, I'm a big believer in the human connection um, in all businesses, even those that have become most digital. And I think one of the things you're seeing is all of the insurers are really investing on making certain transactions, certain experiences digital. What remains for the humans is the hardest and most complex things. Um, and the things that require the most empathy and understanding and often creativity to solve customer problems, et cetera. And so in my mind, the humans actually become more important um, because what's, what remains is what's most important, which are those moments when your customers are reaching out to you and asking for your help, either to navigate something new or fix a problem or look ahead. Um, and so, and we can talk a little bit about how uh, risks are changing over time, but what we've seen in particular in the last quarter, and I don't want to um, be all, you know, highfalutin, Michael, because there, there's a reality of what we're experiencing right now, which is in the last quarter in, in 2022, um, you know, we're still seeing, you know, a likelihood to switch providers at an all-time high that we've had since the very beginning of the pandemic, and particularly around auto. Right. So there is a reality in which auto in particular is becoming more and more price competitive. And there's a huge portion of shoppers that are going to continue to be looking for the best deal. And so I want to recognize that that is the reality. But to your point, how do you think about your customer acquisition in a way that isn't just chasing auto and those switchers, but mm -hmm. looking for ways to find the right customers that are going to engage in auto, but be thinking more broadly about their risk profile in a way that they're going to want an agent to help them navigate that to their home, to life, to universal, to pet, to recreational, to their small businesses. And I think yeah. the agent that's going to win is going to find a way to translate a what is hopefully the beginning of a relationship to something that's much broader by lending their expertise to the consumer in those moments of concern and anxiety and doubt to feel good about their insurance provider. Do you think that the last quarter, so we're talking about fresh information here. Did you say Q1 2022? Is, is that I, what we're, okay. That was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, we, we, so. And I'll tell you why I know this, just so I can yeah. put some confidence behind my data. So um, Bain, uh, two years ago, launched a, uh, a data benchmarking product that essentially surveys 80,000 U.S. consumers throughout the year and asks them about their property and casualty and life experience. And so we have a quarterly pulse on what is actually happening in the market today. We ask them, are they shopping? We ask them who their provider is. We ask them what they've experienced. Have they added a car? Have they moved homes? Um, have they shopped and why? And then what was the outcome of that? And what did they experience across the way? So it's a really rich source of data. And that's the data on which I'm quoting. And so, for example, um, because we know that many insurers have taken rate after they gave a lot of value back to consumers. Okay, right. Yeah. Pandemic, right. They've mm -hmm. taken rate that has instigated more search, what we call search and explore activities. 
across all products, um, not just um, auto. And so people are out there saying, well, gosh, all this is happening. What else is out there? What can I get now? Of those people who shopped, um, you know, they're, they're, the switching is pretty steady, but more people are in the market, which means there's probably opportunity um, for everyone on the phone, but there's also risk um, because more people are in the market taking a look. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're right. Um, it, clearly, the carriers have taken rate. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and not just in auto, right? I mean, we're, we're mm-hmm. going to see this, you know, it's a pretty hard market in property, right? Um, and, and so maybe that would be a uh, causal condition for decreased loyalty or increased shopping. And, and whether or not and how much that floats down to the agency level, of course, is another question. And I'm not sure that falls into the uh, into the database, right? So, so, so somebody's approach to shopping, maybe I got to call my agent and see if he can do better. Right? That's right. <laughs> okay. So that's absolutely right. Um, but that does represent uh, more work and, uh, you know, a potential vulnerability. Um, okay. So that could be, we, we, we don't know necessarily, you know, if that is, is that a long-term trend? Is that a, um, you know, quarterly response, right? It's a little bit difficult to tell, but we clearly we have to earn the loyalty. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Okay. So you've recently published um, a uh, brief, the future of insurance. Yes. Um, you know, and I suppose the future of insurance, uh, you know, maybe back in the day, those were sort of put you to sleep, um, kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, the kind of content, not that, not anymore, right? No, not anymore. Uh, yeah, this, so I'm, so uh, in that brief, Darcy, you identified four significant trends or trend categories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Time permitting, I, I want to get a little bit of your feedback on some of these. So if I can, I'll, I'll give you the bullet point from the brief and you can um, give me some feedback in particular, of course, for the audience that's, that is most likely to tune into my conversation. So number one, climate change, disease, and technological disruptions are combining to produce more risks and different types of risks. Mm, um, okay, <laughs> those, and those, are, those are fairly significant. I mean, climate change, really, really super big. Um, disease, uh, interesting, I'd like to get your input on that. I mean, presumably that has something to do with the pandemic, but maybe Bain sees something beyond that. Technological disruption, is, um, you know, there's an almost unlimited amount of venture capital that's coming in to say, hey, we can we can do a little better. Um, so produce more risks and different types of risks. What do you think? What 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 does that mean? What do we have to face? Yeah. So if I start back, you know, one of the things we said in the book is risk isn't what it used to be. The traditional risks that insurers have always covered, right? The the role of an insurer was risk transfer um, or pooling of risk to reduce the risk for the individual. And in each category, we're seeing shifts. So let's take the example of auto. Frequency has come down. In terms of the human toll, severity has come down. We're seeing fewer and fewer highway deaths globally and in the US year on year. At the same time, the cost of the claim is going up as our cars become more expensive. Um, as more technology is embedded in them, batteries, you know, all the things um, that is getting pulled into um, the cost of, a, of an auto claim. And so it, there's this back and forth, even in the core of the things we've always covered that are shifting. So fewer consumers are experiencing a claim Fewer consumers, thankfully, are experiencing a health event from a claim, but the cost and the the ability to restore that customer is going up, right? So so that's just an example of the puts and takes that are happening inside of um, a a known risk category that we have today. 
um, in the home, the same thing is true. Um, homes are getting smarter. We're starting to see all kinds of same thing, although obviously with telematics, we're starting to see more information come in that can help us mitigate at the same time we have climate. We have wildfires, we have floods, we have hurricanes. I was just uh, 10 days ago down in Australia where outside of Sydney, they're experiencing a hundred year flood. Um, and the, the cost um, for, to both auto and home is absolutely astronomical, almost to the point where the, you know, there's questions about the viability of the insurance industry and the role it plays in society for rebuilding um, Western Australia for no. a more resilient place, right? So it's, yeah. it's, and we are experiencing it in the United States, in Florida, in Texas, in California, all these things are happening um, and, and they're, they're seismic. And so, and they're creating um, challenges for the insurers to play effectively in those in those geographies. And so risk is not what it used to be. And then there's emerging risks. And so when we talk about disease, of course, we've just had the pandemic, but you could also broaden this notion of disease to mental health. And I think what we're gonna see is a, is a tsunami of mental health challenges, um, given everything we've all experienced and the impact on the next generation and all those things that are likely going to change again. What is the, what is the, um, damage felt from, you know, something that perhaps consumers could bounce back from, but now is actually going to send them for a real loop, given their overall mental health. And so the, the, all these things are shifting. I'll add um, cyber. You I know, was going to say, I didn't see it. I don't want to be the catastrophist here, but, um, you know, this is also opportunity for insurers to play a real role in society because what small business doesn't um, get impacted when, um, when their website goes down, when their purchasing system no longer works and all those things, you could add on to that supply chain risks. Um, and certainly in the auto industry and in the home industry, the availability of product to help your, you know, your customers recover from whatever happened has totally shifted. Um, and, and it, with inflation, you know, we can, we can add so many things onto the pile. And so I think the opportunity for insurers and for agents is actually be thinking about the world is underprotected, where the new and emerging risks are actually not being covered adequately. And I think there's a lot of great innovation going on in this space where people are thinking about how they do more to um, support these new risks. But going back to what's the role of the human and the agent is as those emerging products come to the fore from whatever insurer you represent um, to your customers, is how do you innovate along with them and find new ways to support your customers' um, risks and anxieties so they feel well-protected and well-supported by you. Okay. So that's a perfect segue to your next bullet point. Insurers can look beyond just reimbursing for damages to incentivizing behaviors in ways that will reduce risks. Now here, it seems that there could be um, a significant role for the broker and, and um, in a number of previous conversations, people have said that, that, um, that, that it, you know, this may be the time where the industry doesn't just pay you back, <laughs> but this, but the industry, you know, risk mitigation has always been part of the industry's role. Um, but <clears throat> it, it does seem that there are new tools, new technologies, and perhaps um, more efficient ways to deliver content <clears throat> than there were before. So, um, I'll ask you to speak to this. What is the role of the industry in risk prevention and, and why? Yeah, the, it, thank you, Michael. You know, it moves from risk transfer, risk pooling, to risk mitigation, to risk prevention. And I think, you know, so risk mitigation, just to be clear about what I mean by that, it's where you reduce the extent or the severity of the damage or cost. So for example, can you use technology to make a tow event on a busy highway faster and more transparent as to when the tow truck is going to arrive. You know, there are insurers out there that now have the Uber of tow. So the minute you call in, you know exactly who, which tow truck is going to come get you. You have a sense for where they are in the world and you know when they're coming, right? That's a mitigation. That's something's happened to me, but I'm, that as an insurer, I'm going to try to make that experience as good as possible when something's happened to you. Risk prevention is at a whole nother level, right? And this is helping people drive better, um, remember to turn off, you know, aspects of their house when they travel um, to uh, understanding what's happening in the electrical currents in their home um, to avoid electrical fires, right? It's a whole range of things. And again, I think the, 
the agent, um, first of all, can, whenever their insurer is innovating in this space, how do they really act as a sponsor for their customers to be adopting some of these technologies? Because it will make their lives better. And then secondly, um, to you know, be listening to their customers and then feeding back to their insurers. Look, here's what my customers are worried about. If, if you do commercial work, how do you, how are your customers talking about cyber? How are your customers talking about labor risks? How is your, you know, and, and feed that information back to the insurer. But really thinking of your role, not just about selling the risk transfer or trying to help people recover, <clears throat> ah. actually prevent the incident from happening through the adoption of the new um, behaviors and technologies we have in our. As I recall, in your brief, uh, you cited an example of a technology company in in the UK that uh, it's uh, you know presumably telematics, right? That mm-hmm. that has reduced the incidence of young driver accidents because they specialize in young drivers from one in five. (laughs) Okay. So for all of us parents who've raised young children, that there's a one in five likelihood they're going to get into an accident. It certainly explains why we stay up late at night pacing (laughs) from one in five to one in 18. I think I've got that right. Yeah. So that's a fairly dramatic um example of risk prevention you know so we we're, we we've prevented you know like two-thirds of the accidents that could have happened so that that presumably would be an example of that so do you think um that a lot of this is about uh co- consumer education and or the installation of technologies that make um maybe maybe that not don't necessarily make us smarter but they make um our things smarter our smart home smart car presumably some places clearly smart business right insure techs are making a, a number of businesses smarter so mm-hmm. is it is it a i mean so one there's there's making our things smarter uh, probably through advice and recommendation and maybe even partnerships and to education, which means making us smarter. How do we do this? How do, how do we, yeah, how do, yeah, how do we perfect. prevent risk? Yeah, perfectly well said, Michael. I think it's the combination of the two. I mean, okay. there's always been, and I remember in my hometown when I was a teen driver, you know, the, uh, the agent saying to my parents, you know, oh, have you been to this parking lot? This is a perfect one for practicing with your kid because it's got this and it's got that, you know, so there's always been a little bit of that role of helping people manage their risk um, through local knowledge. Mm-hmm. But I think the real benefit now is the role of technology. And, you know, you brought up this U.S., U.K. insurer called Marmalade and, and focusing on a group of people that, you know, to some extent, you know, everyone was just it just assumed they were always going to be what they were going to be, right? They're new drivers. And I will tell a personal story very quickly, which is I have a new driver. I have a, I have a 17-year-old who twice um, when parking um, nudged another car and, you know, it was all fine, nothing awful. Yeah, twice. And nice. then and my husband and I were like, what's going on? Our car has all these like wonderful beeps and alarms that should be going off. Well, we went into her profile in the car because it's one of these smart cars. And it literally in her profile, for some reason, the alerts were turned off. Right. So, you know, we didn't intend not to have them on, but by a definition, we didn't adopt the technology that would have helped our teen not experience that, which caused them trauma, you know, us expense, you know, all the things. And so um, I think it's, it is a combination of um, as an agent being fully aware of what your insurer has to offer and then talking to your customers about the value of adopting mm-hmm. some of these things that, that may not seem so obvious um, in the beginning. I'll give you another example. Um, uh, and, and State Farm recently introduced this um, uh, product called Ting, uh, T-I-N-G. And it's a little device you plug into your outlet at home. I have one. And it, it watches for surges in electrical current. And I was obsessed with it when it came out because, um, you know, I happened to have redone a house and I wasn't super happy with my electrician. It was a bit, he was a bit dodgy. And so I constantly had these anxieties that something was going, you know, that my house was going to catch fire and something was terrible was going to happen. And now I get a weekly report about 
how the electrical current is flowing in my house in a way that gives me confidence that's not going to happen. And that created a ton of loyalty for me um, for State and, Farm. And it was, it, was, <clears throat> it was recommended by State Farm? Um, that's exactly and, right. And you purchased it on your own? No, it actually came from State Farm. It came from them. And yes. it was sort of, it, it was embedded in the insurance. That's right. And then there, <laughs> that's the opposite of what normally happens, right? Normally yeah. the insurance is embedded in a product. Right. Okay. Well, and that, that is happening in some places too, for sure. Yeah. We can talk about distribution channels later, but I just bring up this point of, um, you know, helping people prevent the, the experience goes so much further in terms of loyalty and earning trust and earning mm. growth than, than, just being there when something happens. Because the reality is, as we know, claims are going down. So if you're a viewer, people are experiencing the benefit of having insurance from the claim. And so how do you find a way to add that value to create that loyalty so that it's not your customer that's doing the shopping? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, that's a good um, segue to your next bullet point um, about technology. Broader use of technologies will likely help reduce costs and create value. Okay, we covered that. Mm -hmm. For all parties involved, spurring global premiums to $10 trillion by 2030. If you would put that in some context, like roughly, <clears throat> you know, here, 2022, roughly how big is that piece of pie? How big is that, is the industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a little over five and a half billion today. That's a, okay. So this is dramatic. I'm sorry, five and a half trillion. trillion yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but so we're yeah, like yeah. so you're talking about conceivably somewhere around a doubling. A doubling of premium. So yeah, what what's that all about? I mean, uh, China probably is. Yes, of course, the emerging markets that are dramatically underinsured. Are, are a lot of that growth. Um, but I also believe that some of the other things we've talked about, cyber and business interruption and um, for, for personal to, to commercial, uh, you know, new risks are coming into mm -hmm. the market every day. And as insurers innovate around addressing those, those needs, I think um, you know, a lot of things we've been talking about today are deeply anxiety producing. And people want to feel that someone's got their back. And so I think there's a lot of untapped opportunity out there. Even okay. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. So you just said something that I'm, I'm just going to say it again, because everybody should take this seriously. People want to know that somebody's got their back. And I'll keep this soapbox really short. Selling them a policy and then showing up 11 months later to sell them the next policy does not communicate. I got your back. Okay. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> and I think by the well, way, the, the good yeah. news, Michael, huh? um, in that um, is in the age of digitization. And we certainly saw a, an uptick in digital usage, um, you know, across the industry in every market. Right. Even in that context, the, the human in the community still has a real role to play mm -hmm. and digital can help create the capacity mm -hmm. to play that role right. um, by taking out the rote transactions, um, by improving self-service and by, you know, the best insurers are thinking hard about how do they deliver information and data to their agents so that they are more relevant for their consumers um, and so it, it's not, you know, it's not a matter of just, well, I guess I should call somebody and help them out today. You know, I'm, it's actually thinking through what are the triggers to have what mm. kind of conversation, yeah. right, right. That, you know, they're being helpful, um, in the front line. Got it. All right. So, um, you identified five core strategic questions, maybe get a little feedback on, on, on all of them, but one in particular, uh, around, Loss prevention, so we kind of covered that. Embedded insurance, talked a little bit about that. Um, direct distribution, we're not going to avoid that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a China strategy may be less relevant, but but very interesting. Um, and uh, alternative capital option, uh, capital options will help insurance companies navigate an uncertain future. So let's let's 
do quick word association on a couple of them. Loss prevention, anything else to say there? I think you've sort of covered that as a strategic opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I think we have. Okay. Embedded insurance. We, we didn't really talk much about that. Yeah, and it's related. Maybe we can cover embedded insurance, um, but also with the China strategy, right? So I think most of Yeah, they're good at it. Yeah, they, well, that's exactly right. They're very, I mean, this is what, one of the things that's driving insurance growth, driving insurance penetration is that it's just super easy to buy it because it's on these mega platforms um, from Pingang to WeChat uh, to Grab in a lot of, you know, so it's it's just present in the consumer's everyday life. It's not a whole lot of effort, extra effort to be insured, to buy yeah. insurance. Um, but embedded insurance, I think for a lot of insurers, there's a double-edged sword to that because they like the idea of being where the customer is, of course, whether they're buying a car or in their commercial business right. account uh, for Amazon or whatever it is. But it is challenging because you lose some of the primacy of the customer relationship when it's gone through a third party that is- You lose a lot of it, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think this means that, you know, tied agents and independent agents and brokers are actually going to feel closer than some of the alternatives. Um, so I, I do think that the insurers are going to be saying, how do we extend distribution through embedded insurance? But importantly, how do we um, retain the ties that bind with our important agency channel? Okay. So let, let's talk about- Item three here, direct distribution. Uh, certainly not a new question. Um, <laughs> we, we've been fussing about that one for a long time. When a carrier who typically uses the independent agency channel also chooses to have a direct relationship with customers. So where do you see this going? Well, it, I think you have, we tended to, for the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, think of it as one or the other. It's either direct or it's through an agent. Hmm. And I think what we're seeing now is that it is truly omni-channel. So most consumers will start in some sort of digital channel and do a bit of research. They might even go all the way to a quote in a digital channel. But then from a lot of consumers, particularly those with multiple types of risks they're looking to cover, whether that's auto and home or small business, you know, plus recreation, whatever it is, mm -hmm. those are the combinations often say it, they feel better when they are to confirmed their choices with an agent. And then for many consumers, they like that agent to be named and they like that agent to have some aspect of, of locality. Um, and so I do still think local matters to some extent um, for consumers, and, but local may or may not always mean geography. It may mean, uh, right. I, yeah. I know someone who worked with that agent. And therefore, they feel like they're in my community, even if that community is in geography. So I think your, your listeners need to be thinking about every, almost every consumer they're going to deal with is going to have done something digitally before they have a conversation mm -hmm. or they're going to want to do something after they talk digitally to confirm, uh, submit documents, whatever it is they do on the back end. And so how do they leverage both ends of that? to have a, a good conversation and a good selling opportunity um, with the consumer in the middle. Okay, so the, so in some cases, um, uh, we, we want the robots to do what they do well and the humans to do what they do well. And, 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 and the definition of that may be changing over time, um, right? In fact, I, I think there's a, a reference in your brief about an, a, a, a global insurance carrier using an empathic robot, right? Mm -hmm. An empathic chat bot, mm -hmm. right? I thought, one, oh. Yeah, one with some personality <laughs> to it. I thought, oh boy. Well, and we actually... Is artificial intelligence a sentient being? Um, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. that's probably not a topic for this conversation, but yeah, so, but the definition of like, you know, what, where does the human need to pop in? Well, clearly, uh, you know, I think your research is showing um, they want somebody to have their back and they want their either their choices confirmed or probably, uh, it, you know, choices recommended to them with expertise. Mm -hmm. And so there's some value. Um, my sense of this has always been that we're tribal species to begin with. When things are outside our area of expertise, but important to us, we look outside of ourselves for guidance. 
And so we want somebody, we, you know, we want to know, we got a guy, we have a person who's, who is protecting us. Um, and so from that point of view, the, I would think the role of the agent is always very strong in certain demographics and certain lines of business. Um, but also now, you know, with the changes and the technological changes, uh, uh, challenged to be innovative and challenged to be better and, 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 and probably cannot get away much longer with the even sort of the premier behaviors and practices of the old school agency of 1995 or 2000. They really need to be different and they need to be looking at, uh, they, they need to expect that 24 months from now, it's going to be different than it is now if they're really doing their job well. Okay. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so um, I'm, I'm not sure if I had a question in there, but so <laughs> Well, let me, I, let me just say, I think, um, I think you're absolutely right. And mm -hmm. I think many of your listeners are probably adopting everything from digital marketing to, you know, other, other tactics that are making them relevant across a set of channels. And, and then I would just put one, you know, even more future notion out there, which is what is digital is changing. Um, uh, yeah. you know, from, you know, what is, what does it mean to, and I don't want to be cute about it, but what is this metaverse thing and how are people going to be interacting in it? Because there are companies that are really leaning into that and learning what that is. Now, how soon any of your listeners are donning, you know, uh, Oculus glasses and, and walking through a consumer's house with them um, from, you know, halfway across town, I don't know. Um, but I think it just goes to show that um, it's pretty hard in the world today to put your you know, to duck down and just assume this thing is going to wash over you because actually what's happening is the next wave. Um, so if, if you've been reluctant to adopt um, different digital capabilities and channels, I think you're going to quickly find yourself a few generations back. Okay. Um, I have um, a couple of wind-up questions, Darcy. Uh, the first one is, uh, and this, I don't think you covered in this briefing, but I'm curious if you've got a perspective on this. Uh, clearly, there are some big tech companies that have um, a remarkable amount of data. In fact, they probably, for example, they know a lot more about me than my insurance company does. Um, and it, it, uh, it, it would seem that at some point, uh, their capacity to mine that data for useful uh, actuarial information or risk information, risk profile, um, that at some point they would be able to crack the code on that. Do you, do you see that you know, potentially not just the broker, but some, some uh, carriers may be um, facing a you know, threat uh, or a disruption as it often happens from outside the industry? I think, I think uh, almost every industry has to be prepared for some okay. of that. Bing, bingo. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, I think that's, that's absolutely right. That being said, I think there, there often is this notion of it's, you know, either friend or enemy, and there's something in, in between. Um, and I think you innovative folks who are thinking about everything from getting better information into the underwriting process to the customer service process are thinking through, how do I partner with any of these companies to use my own first party data and third party data together to create a powerful experience for the customer, whether it's I can go onto a website and enter my name and then all the information is gets pulled in. So I immediately receive a quote to not only does it get pulled in, but you know, Google's tracked me telematically and know where I drive and how I drive and say, here's the number of miles I drove. And I think one of the things that's, so I, I, I think again, being binary or black and white around, is it good or is it bad is, right. is you know, is um, kind of basic. Um, the other thing I would say is that consumers are super interesting when it comes to where they place trust. And I think there was a period of time where technology companies had very high degrees of trust that I think over the last couple of years has eroded. Yeah. And okay. you know, the whole notion uh -huh. of privacy and trust is, is an interesting one. And I think sometimes consumers say one thing and do another. <laughs> um, but I do think that the the companies that have stood the test this time, and going back to what you've said, companies that have had your back, you're more likely to trust. And so how insurers and how your listeners leverage that trust 
um, I think will be something that we'll have to watch over the the coming years vis-a-vis companies that I would say today have a lot less trust than they do. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well, this is going to be a fun ride. So, Darcy, very last question. You can keep it as short as you want, but if you were, and, and I'm going to make sure that we mention the name of your book, which I didn't do at the beginning. Um, in fact, let me do that now. All right. Um, and again, this uh, was published in December 2021. And you co-authored this, am I right, with Fred Reichelt, uh, the creator yeah. of the Net Promoter Score, Winning on Purpose, the Unbeatable Strategy of Loving Your Customers, available on Amazon or all of your favorite independent bookstores as well. Uh, so my last question is um it, so if you were just going to sort of gather all th- these insights a- a- and deliver uh, a-, a message to the leaders and the principals the owners of the independent agency system um what would you encourage them to do what's your exhortation the book first of all um i think is a business book it's pretty readable and it's full of stories and so many of the stories in the book michael talk about the important relationship with the front line that a company has with their front line and then the front line has with their customers whether it's talking about a chick-fil-a inter, uh, chick-fil-a franchise owner to someone who works for enterprise rent a car there's story after story in the book about how delivering loving value to the customer is most often done from the front line. And so I think many of your readers could take a lot of inspiration as they run their own agencies for how do we love our customers and how do we uh, incent and train and encourage and sponsor our employees to love our customers in a way that earns their growth. Uh, That sounds like a terrific grist for a team staff meeting. Indeed. How do we love our customers? Uh, well, Darcy, uh, this has been a, um, a, a rich and jam-packed conversation. Um, I really appreciate your generosity and sharing time with us. I'm happy to do that, Michael. Um, thanks for having me. Hopefully, we'll do a, a, an encore sometime in the future. Love to. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.